This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everyone into the Salt City Hoops show here on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, also Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com. As always, every week joins me, Zach Harper, FanRag, FanRag Sports NBA columnist, Ben Anderson, KSL.com contributor, um, talking about the Utah Jazz and the NBA, all that fun basketball stuff as we're in the third round of the NBA playoffs, the, the conference final round. Technically. And uh, there's also some jazz stuff to talk about too. Yes, that's way more, way more grabbing of attention than uh, than the conference finals right now. The conference finals are very uninteresting to you. But well, no, I mean I'm interested in it. It's just not very good. Yeah, I mean there's there's not a whole lot of yeah. competition there. I like watching LeBron go crazy. That LeBron putting his back to uh, Kelly Olynyk, the Olynyk Clinic, and then dribbling through his legs Amazing. and then attacking him at the rim. We're we're seeing like peak. Angry LeBron right now. Is angry the right word or playful? I, what? How would you describe LeBron right now? I think he's enlightened. Right? Yeah. Don't you think he finally got to that point where he realized, like, oh, I, I have transcended right. everyone else in this game. Mm. And I have to say, when I watch him now, because I think everyone's saying, like, oh, he's great now and he's going to sweep his way to the finals, but wait till he gets to the Warriors. It's hard to see history when it's happening or it's hard to appreciate it. What I've started telling myself is replace LeBron James' name with Michael Jordan when you talk and then try and analyze it that way. Because if you said okay. this Cavs team with Michael Jordan going up against the Warriors in the next round, like you'd give him a chance. Right. LeBron is that good. Yeah. He's Michael Jordan good. He's as good as anyone has ever played. And that makes me realize like, oh yeah, maybe he will beat him. Because he's just, Michael Jordan was just better than everyone. And LeBron is just so much better than everyone else. I didn't see a whole lot of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in, uh, right. in my day. I've seen as much as I can in terms of like sure. games being on. Um, so I get the idea that some people say like, oh, he's the second greatest player of all time. Um, for me, LeBron is easily the second greatest I've ever seen. Mm. And I don't know, like I, I'm not kicking the idea out of bed that he's going to end up the greatest. Right. He still has so much more time. Too. I, I mean, I also think like Jordan didn't really face. Well, all right. This was going to come off Ooh, horrible here. I, I, I don't hear... think Jordan faced really good teams in the finals. Hmm. I don't think that Sonics team was great. I think the jazz team was very top heavy, but not all that great. Um, the Blazers. Not, I didn't think they were like I thought. Maybe the Suns were the toughest team they ever faced. Really? Okay. He probably faced tougher teams in the East. Right. Yeah. He's like really his, like his competition was getting through the East right? until he started winning championships, right. and then the right. East totally was decimated. Yeah. Early like 90s, Pistons, yeah. Knicks. Yeah. Right. Even those Pacers teams were really yeah. good. I'd agree with that. Yeah, but I don't think he faced his toughest competition in the finals. Whereas with LeBron, he's had an easier road through the East to get to the finals. But once he gets to the finals, he's facing historic teams. Right. And I, I don't think as far as talent goes, I know this is totally off topic of what we meant to be yeah. talking about here, <laughs> the talent level between Michael and LeBron, I don't know if there is a gap. I don't know if there's any difference. It's just that Jordan had a blemish-free right. resume, or at least we assume it was now kind of looking back on it because he went six for six in the finals and right. won all the finals MVPs, where LeBron has lost finals now and has had those problems. But as far as his overall talent, I mean, maybe he's made some mistakes in some games that, that cost him a finals sure. or, or his teams did. But as far as his talent gap between him and everyone else in the league is the exact same as Michael to Elijah Wan or yeah. Michael to Carl when they were at their peak. Right, and I think, too, that um, it, in terms of, like, just as a player, LeBron is more versatile, yeah. obviously, and probably more skilled because he's a better he's a better outside shooter than, than Jordan ever was. Yeah. 
Um, it's uh, there. It's and this is tough to because it, it is so intangible. But like, I don't think you would question that Michael Jordan had a greater intensity for winning, right? Okay. And it's not to say that LeBron doesn't. It's just that's where Jordan always separated himself. Is he is an all-time competitive person, whereas LeBron might be a second tier, and that and that's the difference. And this might be easier. It might be easier for LeBron to do what LeBron does than it was for Michael to do what Michael did because he's so dominant physically yeah, maybe. that Michael didn't have that. He was not that physically dominant. He's the be- He was the best athlete on the floor. I mean, athletically, the best right. leaper, body control. He had all that, great hands. But LeBron is so big. I mean, that's what you right. saw against LeBron O'Linick. That I mean, that's signs. why he went back and dribbled between his legs. He just thought like... He's like, what are, it's yeah. Kelly O'Linick. Like, what's this guy going <laughs> to do? Yeah. But he did it to Ibaka, spinning right. the ball in his hand. I mean, yeah. he's, he has transcended. He's yeah. kind of gotten to that point of enlightenment. Al Horford's just bouncing off. Of, Al Horford's yeah. 6'10", yeah. 260. He's just bouncing off of LeBron. But it's, it's crazy. It, yeah. is crazy. it really is. Yeah, I um, hope people enjoy it. It is. You should enjoy it. Yeah, he's 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 good. He's good. <laughs> and he's not going to be around forever. No. Um, Although he might be. He might I don't know. Be. <laughs> before, before I introduce what we're actually going to talk about, do you feel the same... About uh, Kevin Durant, watching Kevin Durant and Steph Curry in the West, like are they such transcendent talents that you feel like what they're must see television, even though you know oh, the result? Hundred percent. I mean, all right, you know me, I like some three pointers. Mm-hmm. So Steph Curry to me is just like I could watch him do anything on a basketball court. If he's so yeah, he's so fun to me. And Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's just an alien. He's a seven foot shooting guard who's. The th- has the third highest scoring average in NBA history. Like, he, I mean, he's just so incredible in his own way. That yeah, I look at them in the West, and I'm just like, even if, even if it's a blowout, I want to watch it until they're out of the game. Like, I've got to watch it until they're out of the game. Okay. I think on my flip side, I have to, I have to see somebody struggle with adversity for me to appreciate once they've kind of gotten better. And maybe that's just because I don't have a trained enough. Not that I don't know what the Warriors are doing well. I mean, just watch them. It's easy to see. What they, they, they do everything yeah. well, and they lost last year in the finals. Right. I like, though, that LeBron went through all these trials of getting swept to the Spurs and then going and actually losing in Miami and realizing, like, I have to grow. It's not going to be handed to me. Yeah. So last year doesn't count as an as a good enough adversity for the Warriors? They won 73 games. Well, <laughs> well, right. well I mean, it is then, adversity, but then you add Kevin Durant. Right. Like, that's not like, oh, we're going to yeah, exactly. persevere through this. Right. Just, oh, let's just go grab maybe the best player in the world right. outside of LeBron. Which, right. you know, I, and maybe I only like guys when they get further in their career. I'm certainly guilty of that where I start to feel nostalgia towards yeah, these players. Sure. I, just falling in love with Dirk when Dirk finally found a way to get Dallas to that point where he... He didn't transcend, but he just realized, like, oh, I know exactly what I have to do, yeah. and I got there, and now I know how to win this championship, and it made me love Dirk, and now I love Dirk forever, but I didn't before that. Yeah. And uh, I'm certainly there with LeBron now. I will get there with Kevin Durant. I will get there with Steph Curry. I don't have this, like, appreciation of their games right now because it's just kind of been – they just came in and were just on fire. Mm. And it, know it was also kind of out of nowhere, right? Right. I mean, it, like, we thought the Warriors were a good team, and then all of a sudden they're the best team. Right. And it's like, whoa, Maybe what ever. happened here? Yeah, right. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Right. Maybe ever. Uh, this is actually kind of a good segue into what I want to talk about, which is the all NBA teams that was, that were announced today. Um, but first I want to shout out to our listeners right now to ask us to tweet, tweet us, ask them to tweet us at Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops, or at Ben K. Fan. Um, if you guys want to get your thoughts heard on the show, you can even call us if you feel so bold, 877-353-0700. Um, so these all NBA teams were announced today and, you know, first it is important for the league, obviously, but important for the Utah Jazz. And they had two stars, uh, who were nominated or contestants really for these top three teams. 
Uh, and Rudy Gobert made it as the All-NBA second-team center, whereas Gordon Hayward did not, which is big for his contract status. Um, let's talk about Rudy Gobert first before we kind of dive into Gordon Hayward stuff. First of all, just that a player went from the D-League to being second-team All-NBA and has made those leaps that he has each season is is really impressive. And, you know, I think you, you have to give credit, a lot of credit to Rudy Gobert, and, and he's just such a unique and fun story. Uh, well, I mean, he go from the D-League. He played in the D-League. He played in the D-League. He played eight games. And I mean, is Ty there Corbin's anybody fault. else? Because Ty played? Corbin wanted to play Jeremy Evans over Rudy Gobert. Right. And Andros Biedrinch. Right. Like, was... technically, he's like, oh, D-League player becomes All-NBA. That's great. But, like, he wasn't a D-League player. Okay, but, yeah. Right? Right. I mean, he, he he's not Jonathan Simmons. He didn't he didn't try out right. and pay $150. Yeah. He's but... a first-round pick who spent eight games in the D-League. Yeah. I still think, I mean, that doesn't diminish what he's done. Like, I still think he's an uber-impressive success story. But I just, like, saying, like, hey, he's a D-League guy. Well, not really. Okay, so what I did, because I'm a... Blake Nar- Ahern's a D-League guy. I'm a narcissist, <laughs> and I like to do this. I want to go back and say what my initial thoughts, because, Andy, I think you may have been at Rudy's workout. I can't remember if you were there when yeah. he first worked out for the Jazz. First of all, it's the first time I've ever heard an entire media room gasp. Because when he walked up, there's a difference between guys who are 6'10", that say they're 7 feet tall, and guys that are actual 7-footers. And I remember everyone gasping at how big Rudy was, because when he got closer... You just your arm kept having to go up to try and interview him, and I remember. So I, I I remember being in awe of him the first time I saw him, but I wasn't like, oh, the Jazz have to draft this guy at fourteen. Right, that was the pick they had that year. So I went back and I read my tweets this morning, and I and I the first thing I said about him was like, he might just be Hashim to beat, and you just love how big he is, and he's not that at all. But he could have been that guy because he's so big and could have just relied on his size and been terrible in the NBA, but he was huge and was going to get his money and be fine with it. He's not that. Yeah. He's huge, and then he's gotten so much better since he's gotten in the league. He's worked really hard. He just he, he really is an incredible player. After, after his rookie year, I thought he sucked. Yeah, right. I mean, I was, I was like, people would say, "Hey, what do you think of Rudy Gobert?" Like, he's terrible. He's yeah. not going to be an NBA player. Right. I thought he was terrible, and and he he became real good real fast. See, that's the kind of thing where like you say he only played eight games in the D League, and I yeah. get that. But how many success stories are there for guys who are that bad in their rookie year? And especially like at the age of 21, which is kind of old for a rookie nowadays, right? Like sure. it's not a high school guy who struggles in his first year. It's it's a 21-year-old. And then for him to take those improvements. But doesn't, I mean, with the big men, it's always later, right? Like the, no, there aren't a yeah. lot of good big men right away. That's true. Uh, it, it's always yeah. like you're supposed to wait till they're you know, 24, 25 or whatever it is. And that's when you really get a handle on how good a big man is. Maybe that's moved up a little bit because of one-and-dones and developments yeah. so much quicker. So maybe it's like 23 now. Do you think you, that's true in the age of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis? And right, like that's why, they were, that's why they were such impressive rookies is because like, whoa, these guys are, are good right away. Blake right. Griffin, good right away. You know, I know he spent a year, you know, rehabbing his knee before he got to play, but um, but with, with Gobert, um, I kind of what Ben was talking about, I, I think the first time I saw him in person was in Miami. And he was warming up, and I was just like on the court. I was on the court in pregame, and he's like walking along the baseline, like, you know, doing dynamic stretching or something. And I remember looking up and thinking, what is this? <laughs> I, I mean, I just had never seen someone like that in person before. Yeah. You've seen tall people here and there, but you just never see someone because his arms make him look taller. That's yeah. the thing, it's like there are other 7 1 players, yeah. right? You know, there, there are plenty of them, but I don't, there's no one who has the 9 7 wingspan. Right. Nope. <laughs> Or seven nine wingspan. Sorry, nine seven it might be, standing it, reach. It might be nine seven. Nine seven standing reach. Yeah. Yeah. Absurd. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's what what Rudy has done. You know, I, I think that third year was was kind of a downturn from his second year because of the injuries. Right. And I think just a larger role of being the full time starter. 
but then what he did from year three to year four and last season, he's absolutely, you know, he deserves all NBA second team. And there were 43 voters who thought he deserved all NBA first team. And it's hard to disagree with. He was four votes off of being a first team guy. Yeah. Yeah. Four, four points. Four off. points. Not even right. one first place one, vote. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's how right. close he was. And he, and he might get there next year. Yeah. And what's, what's funny is he's not happy. Right. He's like, he's mad he got second team. If you're a jazz fan, that's great for you, right? Yeah, like, that's, a, that's right. fantastic. That you get a motivated Rudy Gobert who I, wants to show he's an all star next year, first I, of all. I know people don't like him, but this is Draymond Green esque, right? You, oh, yeah. get, you get second in defensive player of the year voting two years in a row, and he's like, this is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is absurd. And he gets, he's the second best center in the league, uh, according to these voters, and, and he's upset. That's a, I, you gotta love that. But look at look at guys on the All NBA teams, first, second, and third team. Mm-hmm. How many of those guys that are on there that you never thought would ever get there? They all have that same mindset. Where right. you can even say that about Isaiah Thomas. I mean, right. he's got that classic little guy syndrome. Right. I don't mean that just because he's five foot seven, but, but it he is. does. And he made yeah. All NBA second team, and he was the 60th pick overall. Draymond Green was a second rounder. I'm not sure DeAndre Jordan has that axe to grind with people. Right. Uh, but but he's clearly, I mean, he's made himself significantly better as an NBA player. I mean, he has bought yeah. into what they need of him. So the number of guys that made it here that I remember, because all these guys now have been drafted. Jimmy uh, Butler deserves a lot of credit, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was his 30th yeah. pick, and I mean, he wasn't that good his first year. Maybe he was okay in his second year, but he wasn't that good in no, his he first was year. Like, he was like 5.9 points a game yeah. as a rookie. Like, he was just a very average rookie right. first-round player. He could play defense. That was it. Right. So the, the number of guys that you didn't expect to become anything or didn't know would become this that have is really it's awesome. The, the All NBA yeah. team is really cool this year, including Giannis, including Kawhi, all yeah. these guys who were just kind of these huge mysteries. Yeah, and you look at LeBron; he's just a kid from Akron. Just a kid. He's not supposed to be here. <laughs> no one ever saw this coming. He's not supposed to have his twelfth All NBA first team. No one, no one saw it. Coming. No one saw that coming. I saw eleven coming. Twelve, get Twelve out of here. Was, yeah, not not ten, no. not eleven. Uh, the other player, obviously, is, is Gordon Hayward, and, and the big news here is that he didn't make the, the three All-NBA teams. Yeah. Um, and he means, wasn't really close. Right, and he wasn't close. So, you know, you look at the, the two forwards that made the third team, that's uh, Draymond Green and, and Jimmy Butler. They got 134 points and 102 points. Gordon Hayward was eighth amongst forwards with 27 votes, right. or 27 points. Right. So a, a pretty substantial gap. Paul George had more than him with 40 um, and so, you know, you have to wonder, A, obviously he can't get the All-NBA designated player extension this year. Right. Um, can he get it in the future? And, you know, does he think he can get it so he'll sign a shorter term, a one-plus-one deal or a two-plus-one deal so uh, he thinks he can be that down the road? I mean, I kind of think if you're him, you've got to go for the money. You just go for it. Yeah, you go for – well, you go for – what is it? Four years, and then he can opt out, and he can be thirty-five percent of the cap, right? Yeah. So you do four years and a player extension, a player option, sorry, right. On the fourth year. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that way you make sure you you capitalize on that jump to thirty-five percent of the cap mm-hmm. when you know when it becomes available, as opposed to having to wait a wait a year. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense, and and that takes all NBA out of the equation, right? Uh, you know, talking to Dennis Lindsay today, he says he thinks Gordon Hayward can be an All NBA player. He may just be saying that because he wants him to sign with the Jazz, right? right? Like, whether that be a one-plus-one or what, he doesn't—I mean, obviously he cares about the length, but at this point, the most important thing is keeping Gordon Hayward around. Um, but So if, if he really can become an All-NBA player, then it may make sense for him to sign that deal. But I, I'm kind of with you that we haven't seen a player willingly take a shorter deal, uh, very many players anyway, that aren't MVP caliber. Right. Um, the only one I can really think of is Paul Millsap, honestly, who took a shorter deal he took a shorter to deal. take advantage Greg Monroe of— Greg Monroe took the— Qualifying offer. 
Okay. Um. Yeah. So I mean, but that's a different. That's off a rookie rookie contract, so it's not quite the same thing. Didn't Darren Williams? Didn't he short the Jazz a year? And I think remember the famous story was that when he took that extra year, he could have signed a four year deal, and I think he only signed three. And the Jazz realized he just told us when he's leaving. He right. just add, and he was restricted he to leaving a at the time. Player option deal though, so he he added a player option okay. into his deal. Uh, so but I, he didn't take but, the full max years. Knew, he right? did shave a year off of what he could have. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and I mean. And, Really, it wasn't the Jazz doing this with Gordon Hayward. It was the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. But, you know, it was kind of a similar situation where right. he now is a free agent one year sooner than he may otherwise would have been. I wonder if – so I've been kind of kicking this around talking to people today of – I don't think it should be by position for yeah. all NBA. I kind of think it should be the 15 best players. Huh. And so maybe that hurts big men. Yeah, you I, know, like, is Rudy Gobert a top fifteen player? I think he was this year. I don't know that he would have been regarded as a top fifteen player. Like he right. probably only gets it if they have the center designation, right? right. Yeah, um, but certainly I just, not second team without it. Right, exactly. And I kind of think, I kind of think it should just be the best fifteen players. And I think if that were the case, I, I mean, I think Gordon would have take, gotten it over DeRozan. Yeah, um, but I then maybe people, Chris Paul goes in there. I, yeah, I guess. maybe. Yeah, and maybe Ahead maybe Gordon. Yeah, or maybe Paul Carl George, Anthony obviously. Towns or something. You know, one of those guys that were pretty close. Yeah, because you would say probably Gordon had a better season than DeAndre Jordan, uh, Demar Derozan, and uh, you know you can make the, probably Isaiah Thomas. Maybe you can make that case. Uh, I don't Draymond, think any, I don't think anyone have, case, anyone but... would have thought that about Isaiah. Everyone was all enamored with Isaiah this yeah, year. That's true. Yeah, I think this what we're going to learn this year is NBA teams aren't going to like this rule. Because of what's happening with the Jazz, it, because of what's happening with yeah. Indiana, C.J. McCollum was even it, tweeting about it earlier today, saying like, "This voting costs people I can't hundreds imagine, of millions of dollars." Yeah, I can't imagine players like media voting on awards anyway. Let alone no. when it's tied into money to salary, my right. livelihood, and not just money, like thirty, fifty million dollars, like right. generational it's a lot. money. Yeah, right. exactly. It's not. It's not like a player bonus like it used to be. You know, like right. all defensive first team, Rudy Gobert gets a five hundred thousand dollar bonus if he gets that, but that's five hundred thousand dollars instead of yeah. Thirty million dollars, right. right? Like it's a, it's a much bigger deal. But that being said, I don't know of better way to like uniquely determine who the fifteen best players in the league are. Because if you ask the players, well, they're why do you have add, to have that? Why do you have to have that? So because otherwise you give designated player extensions like the supermax to guys who don't deserve it. Then I think you have to kind of blame GMs for doing you're, it. You're fine with that. I, I'm okay with GMs being bad and losing their jobs if they're bad at it. And I know that was kind of the problem why they put this in in the first place. Right. right. But you can't have Gordon Hayward. I mean, and it's inherently, I think it's going to hurt small market teams because right. fewer people watch Gordon Hayward than they did Jimmy Butler this year because Jimmy Butler was on TNT eight times and was perfect when he was on it. Right. Right. And Gordon Hayward wasn't. Yeah. So, I mean, that hurts. That That's not helpful for the Jazz. And the West Coast thing hurts because guys aren't saying up to watch Gordon Hayward play. Yeah. Or if you're on the East Coast, you could see these guys play every night. But on the other hand, if you're Gordon Hayward and you, it, you know, if he did qualify for the Supermax, then we'd be saying the opposite, right? We'd be saying, well, it's good thing. It's a good thing the Supermax rule exists because otherwise Gordon Hayward would talk well, to all these other teams. I think if Gordon Hayward gets the Supermax today, there's no question that he'd stay with the Jazz. I agree. I think Tom Ziller has a, you know, from SB Nation has a great idea of like, there should be an unmaxed player on each team. Hmm. Like I, I really think like the max player, the CBA is, is there for two reasons. One, it's to protect players' rights, right? Right. To have like minimums to get there and incentives to get, you know, to get rewarded for your play. Sure. The other reason is to keep players and, or to keep GMs and owners from hurting themselves. Yeah. That, I mean, that's yeah. what, it, that's what it's been since 1999. Yep. Is keep the, keep the owners from hurting themselves with bad decisions where they go throw you know fifty sure. million dollars at Austin Crozier and you know stuff right. like that. So I think I th- I I don't have a problem with the. I get why they do it, why the owners do it. 
I also don't have a problem with the idea that, you know what, the owner should just be smarter. Like, yeah. this is business. And if you're bad at business, whether you're a small market or a big market, you should suffer yeah. some of the consequences for right. that. And I've always thought, and they kind of do it. I mean, you can have the one guy who signs a five-year deal. Right. Or, or whatever. You, you know, I thought you should have one guy who can sign that super contract, whether it's max or, or, or there's no cap or whatever. Right. And then, I mean, honestly, every order should go down, and maybe the contracts are already built out, and you can do a four-year deal or a three-year deal. And if you're a, a third-tier guy, you're getting that third-highest contract, and someone wants to offer you a number two or a number one, go take it. Yeah, And then absolutely. you have that ability to go sign that money. You have to leave a team to do it. Right. But then, you know, the Jazz then would have an opportunity to go sign another number two guy or another number one guy and bump somebody else's number two up to a number one. Hmm. Meaning that's the only way that guy can get that much money. And if right. he wants to leave, then that gives the Jazz actually a competitive offer to be able to go out and attract these number one stars that not every team can because you can't say, hey, we're the Warriors and we're going to pay two guys each $40 million or $35 right. million. You can only make 30 Or you can go play for the Jazz and make 35 because they've got an open number one slot. That's a compelling kind of idea, actually, because, yeah, if you already have three, you know, top three guys and Kevin Durant is your free agent right. and you only have a four slot to offer right. him, you, you know, he's not going to take it. He's going to take the number one slot with OKC. Right, right exactly. The case might be. Huh. I like that idea. And I'm not for parody. I'm anti-parody. Really? I I think parody is I think parody is a concept that um so you can say it's a loser's mentality. It, well, it, well, it is a loser's mentality and it's that's to like, oh, let's ensure that it's easier to run an NBA team. Yeah. I think that's a bad way of doing. It. I think elitism has always sold in this league, has always sold in this sport, and the league is better in terms of ratings, in terms of, you know, maximizing NBA finals, ad sales and all that when you have Lakers Celtics. Right. When you have Jordan dominating the nineties, when you have, you know, the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq or the Heat with the big three, or now the Warriors against the Cavs, like all of these things are that should be what teams strive for, not like, oh, the league made it easier so we can be good. Do you have any sympathy for like well run teams like the San Antonio Spurs or the Utah Jazz that, you know, don't have a chance right now even though they're well run, whereas like I don't, I, you know, I think the Spurs or the Jazz are maybe unequivocally run better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's just sure. that LeBron's just a kid from Akron, right? Right, like, exactly. Like, if LeBron was from New Mexico, we wouldn't be talking about the Cavs. Right. Right? Like, that's just how it is. I mean, I think I have some sympathy for that, but I also, the, the Spurs just won five titles in 15 years. Yeah. So we, you know, what are doing we doing, okay. right? That's like, a fair <laughs> point. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we've got a bunch of reader questions we just got in from Twitter, and we'll keep talking about Gordon Hayward's All-NBA snub, I guess, today and his free agency future. That's next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody back to the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Carper, Ben Anderson with you. Uh, got a few questions on Twitter I want to answer. Uh, Jay Yeomans asks, didn't Jimmy Butler take the qualifier too? I think he means the designated player extension. Or, or the he got the qualifying offer. max, right? Right, so he, he just took the what was the max at the time of four years. What was it, $70 million or whatever? I think it was like five ninety five. Was it? Okay, so yeah. he took the five years. But regardless... Right. Uh, it's it's a smaller amount of money than it is now in this new salary cap right. world, and actually his contract as a result is very very nice. It's great uh, for any team that may acquire him. You know, if you want to trade for that, the Boston Celtics, which I don't think they do. Boozer agreed to do it. Remember, right. famously, and then uh, got out of town and consigned with the Jazz. But he was the guy who was going to take that second year, or was it third he year? He was a second a really round pick, small so it was deal. a little bit different, right? He lied then, to a blind man. Yeah. He did. He did lie to a blind man. That blind <laughs> man was like, <laughs> like good for Boozer. 
If I, guys, harsh. if I run into a blind guy and it's going to make me $50 million to lie to him, fair. Do watch out, blind guy. I'm coming for you. I'll lie to you if you can see. <laughs> yeah. If it gives me $50 million. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you think, I, I feel like he used that blind man excuse a little bit too much. Like, he's an owner of an NBA team, right? Like, that's. Did he make he's not going to touch that, Andy. That's all you, man. man. That's all you. Did, did, he, <laughs> did he make the excuse? Did Gordon Gunn actually. No, that's a good Go, like, hey, I'm blind. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't think that's what he probably, he probably didn't actually make it. I don't know why we're making it on his behalf. Right, that was weird. Yeah, everyone did make it on his right. behalf. He was probably like, guys, I, why do you care I'm blind? I'm a billionaire. <laughs> My own arena is yeah. named after me. I'm fine. Yeah. Right. Uh, Scott Hall, at BYU Jazz 12, asked, what specifically can the, do, can the Jazz do early to show Gordon he should stay? Billboards. Draft, uh, draft night. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, go crazy <laughs> on draft night. Do something awesome on draft night to bring in a Jimmy Butler. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's what you do. If you right. want to... Absolutely lock in Gordon Hayward staying. Go trade for Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I don't think they can. I don't know if they have the pieces. They don't have the that's exactly my thing. Is if you wanted to trade for Jimmy Butler, I think you need a clear number one asset in that deal. Like a obviously the number one pick in the or first a top three five pick. Yeah. Picks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh the Jazz don't have that. They you know, what's their best like tradable asset that they would consider trading? Like Rodney Hood? Yeah, you're not gonna trade Gobert. Right. That's the one guy you're absolutely not gonna trade on this roster. So you've got Five future first round draft picks, and you can't trade all of them, but you can. And they're all late first. Yeah, and they're all late first. Yeah, so I mean, really, you'd have to do like a seven dimes for a dollar kind of deal, right? right. And right. I, you know, I just don't know. You're how not going to get there for the Bulls. unless they, unless something happens with Jimmy Butler, and he says, "I'm putting the rearview mirrors back on my car, and I'm putting Chicago back in the <laughs> rearview mirror." Like, unless he guarantees that I'm not coming back and trade me whatever, and for some reason it Boston doesn't make sense or wherever, what you know, his options don't make sense. Then maybe that's how the Jazz get him. He was backside blind, right? He was yeah. <laughs> just a the dangerous there, driver. Just a stupid yeah. idea. Yeah. The yeah. joke there for those of you who are unaware is Jimmy Butler took off the rear view mirrors on his car because he doesn't like looking backwards. He doesn't life. like looking in the past. Right. He doesn't <laughs> like looking in the past, and he, he took the metaphor also literally. Loves car accidents. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, that's the sort of thing that makes me wonder about a guy, right? Like. If you're taking it that literally, that you're putting your life in your That's own hands. That's too much. I get it. Like, much. you're wildly successful, and congratulations. You hope he has a driver. That's too much effort. Or a passenger to always And it also behind. didn't happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it also is not a true story. It's a true story. Or it's like, his daughter was hanging on the rearview mirror, and it right. pulled off, and someone asked him about it, and he if, had, like, had a funny response. If he gets in an Uber, does he demand they take that down? <laughs> yeah. Right. Will you at least flip, flip it up so the lights aren't <laughs> in my eyes? course it's a true story but that's how you get him that's how you get him back that's how you uh but then if if, if he complains then i think the the market for him starts to heat up and maybe there there are other teams you know like if you're portland for example trade cj mccollum for him right yeah like all of a sudden that looks like a much more balanced team it's a much better design cj mccollum plus a couple firsts but then maybe that's how you grease the wheels you know maybe you can get in on a three-team trade and you get a cj mccollum there's a name that i've always talked about or you do something very undennis Lindsay like and you say you know what we know Paul George isn't going to stay here beyond this year. At least that's not the idea. But what are we going to do with three picks in the 20s over the next couple of years? Mm. So what if Indiana, that's the best thing they can get for him because the Lakers aren't going to give up the number two overall pick and they don't need to and they're not going to give up D'Angelo Russell and, and Brandon Ingram right now. What if we offer them Rodney Hood and Dante Exum and Trey Lyles and two, two future first-round draft picks? And they say, well, look, we're going to lose them anyways. We can start our rebuild early. Yeah, the, the Pacers might do that. And then maybe they do that, and then you say, "Look, Gordon, we've got we've got him here for a year. 
at least see what you can do, and then you hope you're auditioning for Paul George for a year. I completely agree that Dennis wouldn't do that because you know, that's not how he he's, works. He's way too long term. Yeah, but and honestly, I don't know that that team beats the Warriors. But it's fun to watch. It's, it's fun to watch. It's a really good I mean, team. Right, yeah, like I don't know that it beats the Warriors, but if you're just What's the, the second best team in the in the West and you're the third best team in the league year in year out. It's right, good. and then maybe good. you've convinced them that yeah, maybe something you you give the Lakers another year to screw it up, or yeah. Magic a year to make mistakes, right? Or, or you expose Lonzo Ball's not being an NBA player or something, which is not going to be the case. He's insane, but you know you you find a way to make the Lakers look up, look like they're not a good destination right, exactly. for Paul George. Yeah, yeah, uh, just undermine them at every turn. That's the goal. Uh, Tony Parker, not the Tony Parker, just another one at TJ Park ninety. Well, do asks, we know that? Yeah. Uh, I don't. He does have a jazz uh, note as his avatar. He's. So. I mean, Tony Parker likes jazz. Noted yeah. jazz note fan. And he's French. Yeah. French love jazz. I. I don't actually don't know if that's true. It's a French Rudy music. Gobert? Historically, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, say Gordon stays. We trade Alec Burks and unfortunately Derek Favors. Who can we afford slash get for the power forward starting slot? Uh, well, at that point, you can afford twenty million dollars. Well, yes, but you can't. You you can't really sign anyone in free agency, right? Because you still have, a, yeah. assuming that you get a point guard of some sort, yeah. right? So you're still looking at the trade market in my mind, and then, uh, you know, I, I think we're talking about maybe like we're talking about like sign and trade for Patrick Patterson is like a maybe yeah. possibility. Maybe, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it it I honestly haven't looked at the trade power forward market that much, but there aren't that many great ideas. Usovic. And that's not a great sure, idea. He does he does so much wrong. You must yeah. really believe in what he does right, and that Rudy can fix everything he does wrong for Orlando, which maybe he can because he's Rudy's so good at what he does defensively that maybe that covers up every problem that Vucevic has. But and even then, you're, you're honestly you're probably looking for more of a power forward, a stretch power forward if you're trading Derek Favors yeah. away, right? So I, I'm thinking more of like a Wilson Chandler type. You yeah. know, you can maybe you go somewhere in that direction. But anyway, maybe you go after Amir Johnson. Sure, I like Amir Johnson actually quite a bit. Yeah, he can play. Uh, yeah, Greg Monroe will be available at some point. You right. know, if, if the Celtics want to trade assets f- to make room for Gordon Hayward, maybe sure. take those assets in. But those are flawed options. Yeah. Oh, for sure. As flawed as Derek Favors is on his fit with this team. I yeah. still love the idea. Bring back Marvin Williams. Yeah. I, I like Marvin Williams a lot. I think he makes a lot of money, and I don't he know. He makes that like I 13, 14 a year. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, the Charlotte. Know, for being 33? It's better than Derek. I know we're going to talk about the mm-hmm. draft lottery coming up here in a couple minutes, but. Charlotte is a team I would target as a potential trade-up option that doesn't need to get any younger and already has a stretch big where if you if that's what the Jazz are looking for is a guy who can stretch the floor, I think they're picking at 12, you might be able to say, hey, here's two firsts. Let us move up and get that guy, and we'll also give you an asset. We'll give you a player. Or we'll give you a pick and a player to move up because you need more experience in your starting lineup or coming off your bench. They and then maybe you can take a contract back like Marvin Williams. Right. To me, experience is not their problem. Their problem is talent. And So, yeah, you throw a starter to him. Okay. Because, yeah, they don't need yeah. to add the number 12 pick. Right. That's not going to push them over the edge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, having your top two players be Kemba Walker and Nick Batum, right. not that's ideal. That's their problem. Right. Uh, and I don't know that Derek Favors or whoever changes that equation for them, right? I, I, I would almost take the long shot of a pick. I mean, who did they try? They had, like, Roy Hibbert. You know, they had Spencer Hawes at one point. Yeah. Like, they're relying on Tyler Zeller to be really good. And he's fine. He's a nice rotation player, but he's he's not really good. Right. And they're waiting for Frank the Tank to take off. Right. And he has his spots, Soon. but he has his moments, but he's one not. Yeah, right, he's, exactly. He's not going to be. Yeah. I, I think we all. Agree. Here's what the Jazz should do. Okay. Get, trade for Chris Bosh. And then okay. cure whatever his problem is. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Blood thinners. Uh, lots of blood know, thinners. Lots of blood thinners that won't kill them. Yeah. The jazz doctors are famously good at keeping people on the court. 
Uh, well, yeah, they have problems with like knees and stuff. They haven't tried blood clots. Heart, yeah, that's true. We're great. Maybe they're great at hearts. We Has anybody out. had a heart attack on the team? I like this Chris Bosh idea. Yeah. He's available. <laughs> He's available. <laughs> uh, our best listener and Greek friend, Giorgio Spinius, asks, what do you think of these stretch fours? Hey, we're talking about stretch fours. Perfect. Uh, Serge Ibaka, PJ Tucker, James Johnson, Ursan Ilyasova. All of those are free agents. I don't like Ursan Ilyasova. There's a reason he's played for 10 teams in 10 years. <laughs> right. Because he does everything you want in a big guy. Yeah. Not play defense, but he draws charges and he hits threes. And you think like, oh, I can make that work. And he yeah. can't stay anywhere for more than 11 months. Right. That's it, a huge red flag. The Sixers are like, uh, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's, it's ugly. Uh, James Johnson I like, though. Oh, yeah. I love James Johnson. Yeah. If they could add James Johnson, that's a huge win. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll, I think he'll be expensive, though. Confusing for Craig Bullard, Jack, saying James Johnson and Joe Johnson, though? Yes. Possible worry? What if he calls him Jim Johnson? <laughs> Does that make it easier? Makes it Probably harder. harder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, just call him like Karate James. Because he does like, you know, he's like a black belt or something. Okay. Karate James. Just call him Karate That's James. Full name. Yeah. Uh, and then PJ Tucker, I mean, is available. It was kind of exposed a little bit, I thought. Well, I mean, LeBron is exposing everybody right, right. now. But uh, is Good. I don't know that you want him to be your starting stretch four. Yeah, you can do worse. Toronto's one of those teams, I, if I'm the Jazz, I would love to go and raid their two or three best players. Right. Like, I'd love to go get P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry and add on my team. <laughs> and then my team's really good next uh, year. Honestly, I like the Patrick Patterson idea okay. I think he, I like him a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, there there are some options here. Yeah, you're just waiting for Joel Ballenboy to take over. Yeah, or that. Trey Lyles? Ooh. Are we are we giving up on Trey Lyles already? Yes. No. Okay. Oh no. Oh. No. No. No, no, <laughs> <You apparently are>. <laughs> not. <laughs> no. You're not. Goodness, no. I I I I I might be with Zach. I don't know. That's maybe it's too soon. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the draft coming okay, up. Okay, we'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about some of the options Jazz will have in the draft. I don't think he's going to get and drafted. And whether or not they're better than Trey Lyles. <laughs> <Lyle's is not laughs> All right, we'll talk about that next here on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN All right, welcome back in Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson with you. Um, we do have a caller, and it's Jay Yeomans. We just recently read a tweet from him, but now he's calling in. I don't know what he has to say, but let's hear it. Jay, how are you? Oh, uh, we're trying. Jay, can you hear us? Yeah. All right, cool. How are you? Good. How are you guys tonight? Good. Hey, what's up? So uh, my question is, since you guys are talking about different scenarios of what might happen with the Jazz and who would be fits, I wanted to throw out the worst-case scenario and ask what you guys think the plan B is if Gordon and George walk. Yeah. Um, so I actually asked Dennis Lindsay the same question today, and he said a whole lot of things that I can't say because he said them off the record. But – um, well, you can't I, say that, Andy. I know it's not fair. Oh, that's what we call Don't a teaser. Be that guy. That's, that's, that's the worst. <laughs> I am my the friend worst. Dennis. Yeah, my friend. We just I talked to Dennis him casually, Lindsay, and I know all the answers, but he no. swore me to secrecy. We were eating pizza today. We, what can you tell us? Even. Oh, what yeah. can you tell us that you did learn? Uh, what I can tell you is that I, I think they have a lot of eggs in the Gordon Hayward staying basket. Um, I think basically they feel like they're too good with Rudy Gobert around to rebuild. Yeah, uh, and that they would basically find a new primary wing in some way, and have him, you know, be that kind of a lesser Gordon Hayward. 
And, you know, I don't know if that's if you can acquire Paul George or Jimmy Butler or whatever, or you try to acquire, uh, or, you know, you put Rodney Hood in that role and see how he does. I mean, it's it's probably not going to be great, but you, you give it a shot. Um, or you trade up for something like, you know, whatever whatever you have to do in order to find a guy who can still use those possessions um, would be kind of the way to do it. And then you kind of build the team for the future just like they kind of are now. Um, he says, you know, the the timeline for the team, or at least their acquisitions coming up before they know about Gordon Hayward won't be changed greatly based on uh, whether or not Gordon Hayward stays or goes. Right. You know, huh. um, th- it sounds a lot like the Thunder's plan last year. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Like you just like they did last year, they traded uh, Serge Ibaka away for Victor Oladipo made the team better with or without Kevin Durant. Right. You had your bets essentially. And yeah. If you get him, you're better. And if you lose him, you're not as bad as you could have been. And you have a guy at that position, right, who can who can play. I mean, I think you essentially, if you lose both those guys, you kind of turn into Houston pre-Harden, where hmm. you're good, but you're more just trying to acquire assets to eventually flip for that guy. I don't think you, you go get that guy right away. I don't think that guy is necessarily available, but I think you're kind of always within the hunt for the eighth seed, which I think they would be because... Denver's still not that good. Yeah. You know, Portland's very flawed. In the same way that th- the Thunder Minnesota's were. not that good yet, right? Like, New Orleans may be a disaster in two years, or, or in two months, who knows? <laughs> um, How much money do the Jazz have if they lose George Hill got and a Gordon lot. Hayward? Uh, yeah, a fair amount. Do I think have it's a 30 million. Contract? Yeah, like okay, 33 so million deal. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I've got, I've actually, 30, yeah, $32.7 million. I was way off. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have anybody that's going to make it hard to spend that money. You know, Rodney Hood, even if you, you can extend him this offseason, right? Uh, yeah. If you want to, I wouldn't, I don't know if they will or not, but yeah, he, he, you're not doing any, you're not not doing anything this offseason because you have to pay Rodney Hood next year. Right. He's not that good of a player. Yeah. At least he didn't show it this year. Right. So you just go out and you sign, you, you go after all these guys that have been talked about, whether it's Kyle Lowry or whoever, you go and try and find another and guy. May, who and maybe be, at that point, that's when you have the most inclination, the most determination to go trade for a CJ McCollum, right? Right. Because if you can, yeah. if you give up a young guy, I don't know, Derek Favors and like a pick or two. That sounds like a lot, but if you go get CJ McCollum and put him next to Rudy, it's a pretty yeah. good combination of, of two players to, to get going. And you're young, so you still are building for the future. Exactly. In some sense. Or yeah. sit on your hands for a year and trade for Isaiah Thomas next summer. Right. Because he'll be available. Yeah. Or, or if he's not already available. If he's not, exactly. I was going to say that. Um, you could even go, I mean, you could go Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, someone like that, or, or Chris Paul or Blake Griffin with that money and, and make some overtures there. Again, I don't know how good that makes you long term, but I just don't know if you get that guy. Yeah, I don't know if you not. get those championship players. I just don't think Isaiah Thomas is a championship player by himself. Right, him yeah. coming over doesn't make you great, but you, like you said with CJ McCollum, Isaiah Thomas, you team him with a guy like Rudy and one other piece clicks, then all of a sudden you're you're maybe where you are right now again. You're yeah. as good as you are right now. Agreed. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about what happened during the lottery, uh, cause we wanted to talk about that. Obviously, the Celtics won the number one pick. We've been Rigged. talking about that. Uh, did you hear, first of all, that it was not only the number one pick that came up in the Celtics' favor, but the number two pick and the number three pick on these lottery balls that they pick? You're telling uh, me this thing isn't rigged? So it's, The league uh, wants the Celtics back. A lot of lucky green going in the Celtics' favor, yeah. huh. uh, which is it's kind of interesting. You know, They only get one pick, but... Uh, I think you should get whatever comes up. You just get, you yeah, get you just get the top three picks. <laughs> weird. Uh, that was a weird <laughs> year for the Celtics. <laughs> be, yeah, that'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, then you feel even worse for the Nets. The Phoenix Suns moved down to the number four slot in their place. The Los Angeles Lonzo Balls, uh, sorry, the Los Angeles Lakers won the number two spot. Los Angeles. And, uh, the Sixers (laughs) 
won the number three spot. Thank you to the Sacramento Kings yeah. for moving up into that was spot. Was that the Stauskas trade? It was the yeah. Stauskas oh. trade. By the way, so they traded 2019 pick unprotected. Yeah. Oof. They owe the Sixers their 2019 pick, and I believe it's unprotected. Well, that's going to go well. Well, this was all bad for the Jazz. This order that came out was bad for the Jazz. Yeah. This is the opposite of what you wanted to happen. You wanted Boston to fall to three or four where, A, they just weren't as appetizing because they weren't adding as much talent, and then maybe they had to add a small forward. So maybe they waver a little bit on adding Gordon Hayward. You wanted the Lakers pick to go to the Warrior or to go to the Philadelphia 76ers by falling down to number four, mm-hmm. uh, and that didn't happen either. Right. I think if you're if you're Dennis Lindsay right now, you're just texting Gordon Hayward every day saying, whoa, that Markel Fultz didn't even make the tournament. Yeah. You How good show- can he be? Show him lowlights, Markel Fultz lowlights. Yeah. Like, just him throwing bad passes. There's not a lot of Markel Fultz lowlights. Not a lot. <laughs> That's no, a like short you're, highlight. You're reaching back to the AAU games yeah. and like, wow, this guy's short. And you're like, oh, he looks like he's nine. <laughs> nope, just short. He's spectacular. He and Lonzo Ball are really. Yeah, they're so good. They're not. There's not a LeBron James, Kevin Durant. There's not a guy who's going to be the best player on a championship team in this draft. There's just not. It's super deep, and those guys are really good. I don't know if you heard, but De'Aaron Fox outplayed Lonzo Ball in the tournament, so now Lonzo yeah. Ball is terrible. Yeah, he's a bad That's all I've now. heard. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I have heard that. I think there's a case for that. Uh, here's my case against Lonzo Ball. He doesn't take that many shots. He shoots from the left side of his head, and he's right-handed. That's the case against him. That's the only thing. He's so good. Okay. That UCLA yeah. team was crazy. I watched them the other night. Again, I went back and rewatched the game. They have so many NBA players on that team. It's weird. good for him for not taking as many shots as he could have. Right. Because he had three other, four other right. NBA players on that yeah. team. Um, TJ Leaf is really good too. I think Leaf is good. Uh, Ek Anigbogu, that guy is silly good. He'll be a nice like mid first rounder. Yeah, and would be a top five pick in other drafts. That's how deep this draft is. He's really good because he he has the NBA body too already. He's he reminds me of Andrew Bynum. That's who that's who he looks like to me. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, well, um, I'll tell you more about my lunch with Dennis Lindsay next segment. And then also I want to talk about this crazy Milos Teodosic idea that I've been writing about all week. So that's next here on the Salt City Hoop Show, right here on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back in Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson with you. Uh, our guy Riley O'Brien, before we get into our main topic, Riley O'Brien uh, tweets us, if the Jazz were to try and trade up for a point guard in the upcoming draft, which one do you think they'd prefer? I don't think that's that likely for them to trade up with 24 and 30 and even one of their pieces like a Rodney Hood or a Derek Favors. But Ben, you had an answer? Uh, everyone, I mean, you would take any of these point guards. This is a right. ridiculously right. good. Even Frank Natilakina, who's probably the guy people know least about, he shot like forty five percent from he the three point line. Right. Like that's crazy. I don't know that he can run a pick and roll, but he could for shoot. these guys with these. He's he's one of these weird long armed, yeah. you like know, six, point five. guards. People yeah. compare him to Dante Exum, right? Uh, yeah, and I would say maybe he's a more accurate as a George Hill type or something because right. he can really shoot the ball the way George Hill can. Darren Fox isn't a great shooter. But he's still so dynamic off the dribble and getting to the paint. Why he torched Lonzo Ball in the game that everyone wants to talk about? Like, okay, you'll take, you'll take that. That's yeah. fine. He's just not the shooter right now. And you know, since Rudy's never going to be a shooter, the more shooters you can have around Gobert, the better you're going to be. So a point guard that limits his ability to shoot, then you have to have a shooter at every other position in the starting lineup. Right. Shooting guard, small forward, power forward, which is already the case. You might be shorthanded by having two non-shooters on the floor, regardless of what you have going forward. Also, like realistically, the only guys you could really trade up for are like Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. or Frank, right? Like you're not getting yeah. into that top six. Right. Agreed. Most and likely. I, and yeah. I don't think 
honestly, I think those guys are both flawed enough that you wouldn't be able to, you know, you don't want to trade on trade up for them thinking that they're your point guard. Now. That it's going to be exactly now right. for next season. That's going to convince Gordon Hayward to stay around or whatever that might look like, right? Right. They're not so locked in that they're going to be way better than what Dante Exum, I guess, could still turn into. Yeah. But yeah. You you mortgage the future to get there. Right. Plus, there's good point guards at the end of the first round too. Yeah. Still some good, good guys. So. Uh. All right. And speaking of good shooters at the point guard position, yeah. this is the my idea. I've been not my idea. I mean, it's been rumored around the league for for months now. Heck, we've talked about it on the show before, but. Milos Teodosic coming to Utah. David Pick had a report earlier this week saying that he, uh, everyone around the league anticipates the Jazz will shoot him an offer sheet is what the, the exact words used by David Pick. Um, basically give Milos Teodosic, maybe the best international player in the world right now, not in the NBA, uh, a, a offer to come over to the NBA and play for the Utah Jazz next season. Instead, he's looking for three years between 20 and $30 million. And I, I've been watching videos of him, both highlight videos and just game film. He's really cool. <laughs> like he's just he's, he's fun to watch. He's he's the best non NBA player in the, in the world right now. A terrific shooter and just probably uh, Quinn Snyder called him maybe the best passer in the world. Yeah. Uh, when he was asked about Teodosic a few years ago, 2014, I agree. I mean, he does passes that yep. no one else in in the world do. Uh. LeBron's pretty good. Okay, LeBron Rubio, is Rubio's pretty good. Noted good passer. Yeah, like those, I would put those two over Tay Dosage as a passer, but oh, all right, okay. so he's the third best. Like, yeah, yeah he's up there pretty with, good. Yeah, and he makes different types of passes. That's I mean, LeBron is like a, I'm going to throw a pass from one baseline corner to the other, right. hooking it around people because I'm 6'9", I'm the strongest man on earth right, right. now, and I can do that, nobody else can do that. Teodosic's understanding of angles and anticipation of where guys is going to be is more Ricky Rubio. Right. You know, yeah. James Harden is a great passer, and he is a great passer, don't get me wrong, but he's so fast off the dribble that the defense is scrambling and he knows where to find that guy. Right. right. It's not like he has this crazy eyes in the back of his head vision that Teodosic has. Here's the problem with Teodosic, though. Maybe one of the worst defenders yeah, in the he's world. He's James Harden. I mean, he's, yeah, he's worse. Like, right. I mean, he's real bad, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, and I, I think because of that, and because of the idea that I think he's going to want to start. Mm-hmm. If you're going to keep George Hill, yeah, then it's like, like if you're trying to solve the backup point guard position, I don't know that you have the money to do it, and I don't know that he has the you know rah rah let's go team to do it uh, mentality. Yeah, yeah, I, it, it'd be interesting to see if he would take the less because his choices are the the other teams chasing him are Brooklyn and Denver. Okay, so, that's the rumor. Let me let right, me say okay, this, and right. here's the problem, and this is actually my fear, and I feel like we've seen this happen with the Jazz in the past. I wonder if because the Jazz are so tight-lipped about guys that they go after, mm-hmm. and they're also kind of a fit culturally for European guys or international guys, or at least that's the, the belief because of the ties to Quinn Snyder. The style of play. The style of play because they've ramped up their scouting overseas. I wonder if people use the Jazz to try and leverage offers from other teams. Yeah, I think that's possible. I, I, I'll say this. Tato Sitch, when he you know, still had a year left on his contract, said there are two teams I would like to play for, yeah. the San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz. So I think right. that's meaningful. Um, but I think you're right that you know, uh, if Tato Sitch's agent is any good, then he's going to put in the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs there. Now, the Spurs, you know, whatever reports have said that they're not interested. You know, they, they want something different from their point guard search for next year which you know maybe gives you some pause if they're not interested but right. um on the other hand i i do think it's a real possibility and i do think there's a way to make it work even if you resign george hill uh by giving george hill some two guard minutes 
Oh, I think. Well, I mean, are you going to start George Hill? Like, I think. No, right. I think Teodosic wants to be a starter. He's, like, I that, think he's okay. that kind of mentality because he is the best non NBA player in the world. Like, he has an ego and he's a team player, but he yeah. has an ego, and I think he'll want to not only like satiate that, but he'll want to prove, no, I'm a starting point guard in the NBA. Like, I'm I'm great. Um, I think, I think the worry for me is that, and and this is maybe less fair to do with him because he's an older player and he's, he has been around so long, but you look at Nikola Mirotic, you look at Nemanja Bjelica. Mm-hmm. These were two MVPs in Europe who we were like, just wait just until wait. these guys yeah. come over. Like Mirotic is going to join Derrick Rose and he's going to, you know, join Jimmy Butler right. and the bulls yeah. are going to be challenge LeBron, you know, and he comes over and he's like, okay, right. He might be a rotation player on a really good team. He might not be. Bielitsa, not so good for the Timberwolves, although he's had some injury problems. Um, Teo Dosic will be better than those guys, but is he going to be the player, you know, even 80% of the player that he is in Europe? I, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't think you can count on him to be a starter. That's my, you know, if you're a good team, I don't think that he should be the starting point guard for the Jazz. Yeah, probably not. I, you know, I, I just don't think that that is. You're putting too much faith in too much, too many unknowns right. if, you're, if you're counting on him to be the starter. But I do think he adds something to the Jazz that they don't really have right now. Uh, and obviously, like quality at the backup. Oh, point if guard you could position. get him to be the backup point guard full time, like I he, think, like that's a great role for him. I think you saw him on the Joe Ingles role, not Joe Ingles, not not as a shooting guard, small forward, but on this. We're going to get you on the floor, right. and we're going to figure out the role to get you there, and yeah. you've got the right coach who knows how to do it, because Quinn Snyder does know how to do that with guys. Whether yeah. it was finding the right role for Joe Johnson in the playoffs, or even finding a really good role for Boris Diaw in the playoffs, you go and say, Milos, we can do that for you. You're familiar with Quinn. You trust him. We're not going to pull out all the stops and make all these guarantees to you, because yeah. you're not that desperate. I mean, all right, here's a little here's a little stat for you. On unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers this year, mm-hmm. um... He had a 76 effective field, bo- yeah. field goal percentage. Because so he can play off the ball, yeah, exactly. obviously. That's it's the just thing. whether he will You can he play him to. off the ball. And he might make sense with Dante Exum in the backcourt. Yeah, Because like he does that. so many of the things that Dante can't do. And ideally, Dante gets back to his defensive kind you of have him prowess. Too. And then right. he guards whoever's the best player. And right. then you just, you're hiding Tay Dosich, you just hide Tay Dosich yeah. on whoever. And you know what? The NBA, and we've seen it a little bit, you can start to hide guys like Teodosic on Ryan Anderson yeah. or whatever. And that's a lot more common now. And just say, because Rudy doesn't guard a three per se, but he guards 18 feet away from the hoop right. so well that yeah. he, maybe the Jazz can do it. Right. And I'd pay him $8 million a year. Oh, $10 million yeah. A year. Yeah. I think if you can, if you can convince him to take $8 million a year and be a backup, you might not find a better backup right. point guard outside of like Sean Livingston. Yeah. He, he looks older than he is because he, he looks right. like homeless <laughs> Raul and Hal Neto. You know, yeah. he's 30. He's Paul, uh, he's, he's uh, George Hill's age. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's George Hill's age, essentially. Hill. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, by a year. And he's a non-athlete. Right. So you are getting a non-athlete prime mentality, probably still healthy body. And you watch his highlights from this season and they're phenomenal. And he's you know, absurd. He hasn't yeah, he's, lost he's, he's so good. Um, it's, it's really fun to watch. I, so the Jazz can offer him, I, I think maybe the most likely way this works is the Jazz offering him the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which ends up being about $8 million under the new CBA, and yeah. then you do the 8% raises from there. So it ends up being a three-year, $26 million deal. Um, again, that's right in his salary demands. Right. I would, I could absolutely see the Nets giving him like three thirty six or something. Sure. Uh, and then he just has to make a choice. You know, do you, do you want the starter role? And because he, I think he would start in Brooklyn over. Maybe Germany. he's got Lynn Sanity. Yeah. Maybe. Don't we all? I I still do. Uh, and and then you have, you know, you have an opportunity to start. You're making a lot of money. You're in the best, you know, the biggest American city. Right. Uh, and or you have the chance to play on a and a winning team, with, which. 
loves passing players from Joe Ingles to Boris Diaw. Yeah. You know, clearly that's something he that, really would fit the system so well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he comes over and he's not he's not a star. Right. So Jazz no, fans, right. if you're trying to sell yourself like you're getting a top ten point guard in the yeah. NBA, no, he's not that. He comes over and kind of does was it Sergio Rodriguez who kind of filled right. in some yeah. weird yeah. gaps, but was yeah. fine. Was a good player, but he can He'll shoot. That. Right, he's yeah. a good player yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. for I honestly thought Sergio Rodriguez was pretty decent for the Sixers. I mean, he's no T.J. McConnell. He's better. Right. <laughs> That's an important. I, I just, I, I mean, maybe it's just because I've been watching hours of the guy play because I, I just want to see, like, uh, honestly, f- what dunks are for some people are passes that I don't see coming that guys make that, you know, they yeah. find spaces on the floor. Yeah. That's like my orgasmic basketball moment is watching oh. those sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. No, light a candle. He's a, yeah, I'm yeah, <laughs> almost Larry Bird esque yeah. in right. his passing ability. Right. It's just the craftiness of his passes. You also do have to wonder. Okay, why is he the only guy who does that? And nobody else does it. Is he truly that uniquely skilled, or like is he doing something in Europe that doesn't translate to the NBA as well? Because right, that's fair. There are smaller passing lanes, there are longer arms, there are a bit more athletic players. Like all of those things come into play. Yeah. So, but you're still going to get a pass a game because you still get it from uh, Ricky Rubio occasionally. Yeah. You still get that pass. You're just like, what? You're like, wh- what how happened there? <laughs> right. Where yeah. did he see that? Yeah. And you'll get that still. Uh. So I I, I mean I think it kind of depends what happens. Um. But. During the rest of it, I, I don't think you make your plans around Milos, but I think it's a it has a real possibility of happening, and that's you know one of the reasons why we've been hearing about it three to four times so far this season. And you just let Shelvin Mack walk, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty fine. With <laughs> All right, uh, I mean that's he a risk. He, if he was on this team this year, he's very clearly the second best point guard the Jazz have. Yeah, I mean oh, he, no he, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can get that at eight million dollars, you had a player who's top two in your rotation yeah. at that position. That's a that's a pretty good deal. Do you have any heartburn over not giving that spot to Dante Exum? This I, year, I just think he can play. I think he can play with Teodosic. Oh he can yeah, play, yeah. I, like he'll play a two, he'll play three. Like he'll be fine. Clearly, would remove minutes from Dante. You know, he wouldn't be the, also like if Dante though. proves like he's a good point guard, they'll play them together, yeah. and Teodosic will play off the ball. And you're not in bed with him for thirty million, right? Either of those guys. Yeah, yeah. You can, it's it's you eight can, million bucks, right? Yeah. You can probably trade. You know, whatever you need. I mean, there's games happen. this year when Joe Ingles wasn't playing. And Joe Ingles is a great player. Right. And th- again, that's why I say you sell him on that role. You sell him on the idea that you're going to be crucial. We might close games with you. You're going to have huge moments. We've got specific plays. Every inbound play, you're going to be the guy. You know, there's going to be specific roles for you that we know are there and we know is going to work in the NBA. But yeah, you're not backing up the Brinks truck for him. Speaking of Dante Exum, um, talking to Dennis Lindsay about him today, he said something interesting. and said the team functioned better when Dante was playing as a wing rather than a point guard. These are direct quotes. Yeah. But there's point guard in his future. There's two guard, even three, because of his size and speed. It's really one through three. Do you think, A, do you buy small forward for Dante Axum? Yeah, um, I, I, okay. in, a, in a league of small small lineups, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He can play some three. And then, B, then that's how you find minutes for him on the floor, right? I mean, if, if Rodney Hood is injured, which, you know, it's happened for a quarter of every season he's played. Gasp. Uh, right. <laughs> and you know, you, my bolt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you and even if you do have Hayward, you're not playing. Joe Johnson gets zero small forward yeah. minutes next year. Right. right? I, I mean, really, I think that's that's likely. Uh, it's all power forward for him. So now you're you're trying to find guys who are playing the backup three, and that's that's Joe Ingles or that's Dante Exum or you know whoever's available. Because you know if you sign a Teodosic or someone like that, you can kind of shift everyone down. I, I want to say we already saw because your position is generally where you're playing defensively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, not not to be too simplistic, but that's kind of the matchup you're talking yeah. about. Uh, we saw him guard Kevin Durant for small stretches. 
So he was getting, you know, 2%, 3% of his time at small four. It's not like it would be n- nothing we've ever seen before. Right. right. We've seen him switch on bigger yeah, guys. And you're sw- yeah, and you're switching constantly throughout a possession. Like, it's not right. like you're just like, that's my guy. I'm yeah, going to stay with right. him. Like, that's not how that works anymore. Well, they, they set a screen. Right. What do we do? <laughs> what do we do? Well, we have to, we have to quit. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, Dante switches too much. Yeah. Probably. I, yeah, like, sure. I think he, he sometimes takes on those challenges with, like, 1-4 or 1-5 pick and rolls, and then it's it's too much, mostly for... The other guy for the right. other matchup. Yeah. If you've got four well, that's why you staff, need, need better bad. communication right. within the defense. It's not just on him. The whole the whole unit has to be better. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I buy that. And why not? He's not he's not so good at one thing that you have to play him at point guard. Right. You know, I, I hear people talking about Markel Fultz being able to play one through three already. Who's going to be the number one pick with Boston? He's just so three. good with the that's ball. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're yeah, saying. They're saying you play crazy. as much as a three because he's six five and has a six ten wingspan yeah. and has a forty inch vertical. I mean, he. Physically, he can probably do it, but he's so good with the ball in his hands. Right. I just, I'm not gonna find a way to take it out on purpose. I yeah. want him touching the ball every trip up the floor. Yeah, good point. Uh, but Dante's not that good. Dante's not no, that type. No, in fact, of Dante, player. you want the ball out of his hands at this point of his career, right? That, that's why the Jazz moved in. That's gonna be the interesting guard. development for this offseason. Is when does where does he start getting the ball again? Yeah, where where do you start drawing up plays? Are, is he designated just being the guy who gets in the corner and has to operate? Or I think first step is you introduce him to his left hand. Hello. And you're like, hey, you've got a left hand. You yeah. should use it. Well, Dennis Lindsay talked about that Ranger thing earlier today, and he said the kind of the, the four things that he needs to add, right? Yeah, Which the is- long layup game, a floater game, a hard pull-up game. Uh, he said, I think a lot of Dante's mistakes come from that middle area and getting stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's only three things. He's but. actually always had a willingness to go to the rim. Yeah. Uh, oh, more sure. so, I mean, the great summer league game that he had that everyone – Remember, is this kind of his highlight of his career? We've, we've had against Boston. That's, that's his like like Larry Bird dropping sixty yeah, against right, the Hawks. Like. Right, but he had like three dunks in that game, right. and he had the big dunk against the Warriors. The Jazz fans are always going to remember. We've had one. three better Dante Axum games in his career. Since yeah, then you know, obviously the Oklahoma City game. Right, right. Um, I would honestly argue Game Four was yeah, a, a that was the best I'd ever seen him play. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. and and you know, still he was five fourteen. Like I don't want to right because of a bad second half. Yeah, but that's his thing. He's got to learn how to have a good first half and then also have a good second half of basketball. <laughs> but as Dennis Lindsay pointed this out, there were times where he was the best athlete on the floor during, you know, a, a second round playoff matchup for the Jazz. He said on the floor. Do you mean athlete as in like raw athlete, or do you mean basketball player? <laughs> was Kevin Durant? I guess yeah. Who was on the floor? I'm pretty sure he was on the floor with Kevin Durant. Well, it was a for se- the whole time. It was a seven foot he, shooting okay, guard. Okay, I will say yeah, this. Okay. To, he dictated a section of that game, which not a lot of 21-year-olds can do. Right, He absolutely. dictated the way that game was being played. Yeah. He didn't school Steph Curry, but his physical length surprised Steph Curry a couple of times, whether it was the steal on the road mm-hmm. when he stole the ball from Steph Curry and, and kind of got the jazz back in the game when Steph was showboating a little bit with the ball in his hands or the way he was able to move the ball. And you're just going to have to play fast if you want Dante to be on the floor. Because yeah. he's really bad in I agree court. with that, yeah. That, and that's really the problem is he, his game may not fit what the Jazz want to do. I could see him getting... Although, like, let him have a, a summer of development. Yeah, you know, no, that could, I mean, that could have huge turnaround for him in, in a lot of areas. Um, on this idea of signing Tato or really anyone with the, the mid-level exception, if once you do that, you really start to go up and above the luxury tax. Um, especially if you, if you keep George Hill, let's say at 20 to 25 million dollars, Gordon Hayward at 30 million dollars, Rudy Gobert goes from 2 million dollars to 25 million dollars. And you've got Alec Burks at 11 or 12 million dollars, Derek Favors at 12 yeah. million dollars. You know, like just the math is crazy. Um, but I asked Dennis Lindsay about the luxury tax today and he said, I, I'm completely satisfied. He didn't, he didn't say that the Millers would pay the luxury tax, but he said, I'm satisfied at the Millers' commitment to keep the team together. We'll let continuity dictate our choices more so than economics. 
which to me says we'll pay the luxury tax. And he even pointed out that the Millers don't get any money from this team now that the the trust has been made, right? The legacy right. trust. So they don't care if they're making money at this point. It's just like let's. I mean, obviously, right? Well, and with revenue sharing, I mean, it's made a lot easier to you know set something that's not a luxury that Larry H. Miller had, <laughs> but but now. With the revenue sharing that the NBA does, I mean, everyone makes money. Yeah, that's all these NBA, exactly. it's easier to make yeah. money. Here's here's since you're lunch buddies with Dennis now, <laughs> <It's happened laughs> you guys date uh, occasionally. Ask him this. I'm going to tell you how to do your job. Andy. Call him right now. now no, here's please. what I want because I I think That'd I've asked great. him and I don't think I've ever gotten the answer, or maybe I've never asked him. I talked to people too many times. You, but oh yeah, you're, asking you're, so, this. What you're saying is you're better friends with Dennis no, than I am. Uh, so the Jazz salary was what eighty million dollars this year. Yeah, the cap was one hundred million. Not yeah, not yet. So it was ninety what ninety three. Okay, ninety three. Yeah. Okay. How do the Jazz view it? Do they view that as their thirteen million dollars positive, net positive, mm-hmm. and that's money that goes into a bank account that he can spend later, or do they say that money's gone, that money's never going to be spent? That's always been my because the Jazz have been under for quite a while. Yeah, is that do they look at that ten million dollar gap where he saved the Jazz ten million dollars? Is that money he can then go out and spend later because that's money that I mean that's money they didn't have to spend. Right, money that is still in their pocket. I would suspect so would be my guess because that would make me that would make me understand why the Jazz two years ago didn't make a deal or find and and maybe just because Joe Johnson didn't sign here and the George Hill deal fell apart at the trade deadline mm-hmm. why they were so far under the salary cap and needing to make the playoffs to show Gordon Hayward that they were a good basketball team yeah that I, I'm the only reason that would make sense is if they feel like that money saved gets to be played later. Now, Dennis said uh, about that that the reason they were under the salary cap this year was for financial flexibility reasons, right? Which is what he always says. But, yeah. uh, you know, if if you want to acquire a draft pick in, into your assets. Yeah. And, and really, the the true reason is because they thought they could re-sign or extend George Hill, in, and he said yeah. no. And yeah. I think that's legitimately surprised them because they didn't think... George Hill would think he could make more than 380 or whatever that extension was They didn't for. think he had an agent? Uh, they, well, I think they expected more sensibility. Is apparently George Hill I think it was very sensible to expect. I mean, you look at some of the contracts that have been given yeah. out. Like, he should yeah. expect $25 million a year but easily. The, I, even, even before, the, like, this may have been the best season of George Hill's career, at least on a permanent definitely basis. Definitely was, yeah. Uh, even before that, you still think... George yeah. Hill gets more than the maximum extension, the three eighty. Yeah, you just look at the money being thrown around. I okay. think he has to he has to go in there thinking I can get, you know, four one hundred. Do you have your story pulled up, Andy? Do you have the quotes on George Hill? Uh, I, yeah, I, I do. Thought they spoke a surprisingly like they were talking about George Hill as a former jazz player. Hmm. That's what I read. Can you read yeah. the quote? It sounded very like. It was fun to have George here while we had him. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you're right. It's, he says, he's a terrific guy. He's one of my pride and joys, uh, okay. which is heartwarming. Thanks, Dennis. I, I told him, if he gets a crazy offer somewhere else and we helped him get that offer, you're not going to get one poor thought, much less one poor word, if he goes elsewhere. So basically what he's saying is we're not going to go full max, whatever. No, exactly. Definitely. I mean, that is what they said, and right. like you're saying, he can probably get that. Yeah. And the I, Jazz basically just said we're not going to do that. Yeah, they, if, yeah, if he gets for, full max, it sounds like he's gone. I I'm I don't buy that he's going to get full max. I don't know about full max, but twenty five a year. I, I I think that's. I mean, I think Drew Holiday is going to get like twenty two to twenty five yeah. million dollars a year. And yeah. He's better than Drew Holiday. Yeah. I, I I who does he get it from besides Brooklyn? San Antonio. If they yeah. they can finagle a couple of guys, they have to. You know, they have to finagle Pau yeah. Gasol really. Right. Um. And I you know I think they could. Is that. 
Denver? Do you do that? But you know, if they if they end up with like a Chris Paul type, right? Instead, or they're able I don't to think do Chris more. Paul's going you're not to okay. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, Denver, may, maybe they give him. That I think much that's money. one of those ideas where we're like, hey, LeBron could play for Greg Popovich one day. Like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. Chris Paul. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, Denver would be. Denver's got money. Denver's got a really bright future. You add George Hill to that group, and you don't have to play Moody anymore. Like that's that's a really good team. It's and not, then again, it's not, it's not Utah uh, and Jazz from good. the Jazz perspective, is why not go knock on the door again of Kyle Lowry if that becomes available? Well, if you're going to pay somebody the full Holiday, max right? contract, yeah. yeah. If you're going to give somebody over twenty million and then close to thirty million, go talk to everybody. Well, your problem is then you can't you can't sign Kyle Lowry for thirty because you just don't have the cap space, sure. right? Like the only reason you can do George Hill for twenty five right. is because he's your board rights guy. Right. So that that it, that's but your problem. You, but if you, shed, if you shed favors, if you shed Burks, like you, you can get DL. closer yeah. to it. You can right? exactly, but you so but then even then you get to like the Drew Holiday level of player, right? Probably, yeah. But and maybe you, that is the target. Though. And maybe not Drew a Holiday Lowry. is the yeah, guy like who the Jazz feel very would, confident in. They've right. clearly been tied to him before in the past. They've yeah, spoken to his agent. Drew. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's and, and that's the thing. I mean, we'd like to think nobody's tampering, but clearly teams have tampered, and someone's tampered with George Hill, and have tampered with Gordon Hayward. And I would bet Dennis Lindsay's done his job and has tampered yeah. as well. Last yeah. season, last season in November, before the 73 wins, in November, I had people telling me the Warriors think they can sign Kevin Durant. Yeah. Right. They didn't talk to him, of course. Not before July how could 1st. You, how could you? And how could you know? But that, I mean, they were already confident. Well, so. and, okay, what's tampering? Is Drew Holiday's agent calling the Jazz and say, hey, would you guys be interested in, in Drew Holiday this offseason? Yeah. Or is he saying, like, who Drew Holiday? Yeah. To be interested <laughs> right. in a guy named Hugh Drolliday. Right. Right. So, it's already a weird name. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't even make the call, but maybe you get the call. Right. And you listen to that for sure. Yeah. And, and that happens. And that, that absolutely happens. Which is why George Hill was so confident in not signing this contract. Yeah. Because his agent has done his job and tampered. Right. He's been tampering. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll say this. I've heard that the Jazz had problems talking to George Hill's agent. For whatever reason, Who communication was... Uh, you should. I have no idea. I'm you should look up. this up. Uh like in terms of trying to negotiate this extension. Now, I don't know if that was because they weren't answering the phone because they weren't interested the whole time or mm-hmm. if this, you know, the agent wasn't of high quality or didn't think it was a big enough concern or, you know, or just whatever. But for whatever reason, there were communications issues there. And it, I, apparently he ended up talking more with uh, George Hill than with the agent. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's, it's just Michael Whitaker, who, uh, is with Reed Entertainment, who doesn't seem to have anybody else. Okay, so that's a little bit worrying, right? Yeah. You see an NBA agent that doesn't have any other clients. Shane Foster, you remember him? Uh, really? Shane my guy? Was, yeah. I thought it was Shan Foster. It's Shan Foster. Shane Foster. <laughs> no, it's pronounced Shane Foster. Oh, yeah. really? He's my favorite NBA player. That's his agent. Oh. Uh, Non-NBA player, actually, because of his terrific song. We actually have his song oh, boy. Here we queued go. up. No, we'll do that maybe <laughs> later. We'll see. we got to take a break like a couple minutes ago. Um We'll talk more about this and, and what Dennis Lindsay spoke about today um, next on the Salt City Hoop Show here on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Uh, we're talking about brothers in the NBA who were – Basically, has the younger NBA brother ever been the better brother? Right. Uh, and it's surprisingly hard to find, you know, like, obviously, like, they're the Antetokounmpo's, the, the oldest is Giannis, and he's much better than Thanasis, or however you say it. Right. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is a lot better than Nick Wiggins. Does it ever go the other way around? 
Brent Berry was better than John Berry. Yeah. Brent Berry's younger. Uh, Clay's older brother, other Clay Thompson, or Michael Thompson, yeah. is bad, but he's older. Our friend Angie Treasure and I spotted him at a, at a playoff game. Oh, the Michael Thompson yeah. brother, not right. the father. We both saw him in the co- in the concourse and thought, that guy looks a lot like Clay Thompson. Does uh, Cheryl and Reggie Miller the count? White Sox, too? He, they've got like a weird athletic family. Yeah, I think Clay Tr- Thompson's Trace, brother is a major league Trace Thompson, player. right? Yeah. I think he. I know he was with the Dodgers organization. I don't oh. know where he is now, yeah. but but he was good. I mean, he good athletic family, hitting, hitting, good blood there, right? <laughs> Cheryl and Reggie Miller. Cheryl was better. Cheryl was better and older. So it was Cheryl oh. better? Or are we just saying in her that respective because, sports? She I mean, was she was a more she accomplished was the, in her respective sports. She was the sport, best but, at her sport. But who is better if they played one on one? Reggie Miller. Yeah. Yeah, just Reggie Miller yeah. was it's arguably a top fifty player, you know, of all time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. But Cheryl Miller's a top. You know, you're talking about she's Mount the, Rushmore the of player, women. Right? She's yeah. probably up there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, what were we actually going to talk about this segment? Oh, uh, more stuff from the Dennis Lindsay thing. Uh, I know you guys are very excited about. No, it's here. No, I'm in. Tell us about. Um, Lindsay. You had lunch with Dennis <laughs> yeah, Lindsay. Right. I want to know what he had. All right, uh, he had red iguana. They, they catered it for us. What did so. he? What did he have on his plate? I think he had the the steak fajitas. That's a good move. Which is we are pretty delicious. He's a Texas guy. Yeah. Tex Mex. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it adds up. Yeah. Uh, I asked him about Derek Favors because I think you know his future with the team is really interesting. And uh, he said, uh, I, you know, said a lot of nice things about Derek Favors being. He said, first of all, Derek was not lying, as we accused him of last week. When uh, I don't agree, <laughs> he said he was at his healthiest he's ever been. He said, indeed, Derek was the healthiest he was all season on the last day of the season. Yeah, huh, was what he said. And to the listener that called me out, who was that? For, I don't know, but you, didn't you so, yeah, you texted us a, a comment. Would never listen to the show again. Yeah, oh. saying oh, that's a, right. a true fans wouldn't question. I'm not a jazz fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you, I, I, I don't thought care. Everyone, I don't care if the jazz. Win I just or thought lose. everyone knew when a microphone was on, they were lying. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of thought that was the rule. Okay. Uh, Dennis Lizzie had something about the numbers of he and Rudy Gobert. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was going to get there. Uh, the metrics around two man lineups with Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors continue to be good. We can win. We can guard with those two on the floor. Can we go back to our who's lying? Yeah, uh, do you think you is, it, is it Dennis or Dennis is it Derek? lying? Well, Dennis I, Lindsay's lying now about that because if they liked that, they would have played those two guys together. Well, they never played those guys together. Okay, but Quinn doesn't like it. Does Dennis like it? Right? Those, that's, it's possible. I think different. those two tend to work pretty well together, yeah. right? I'm that's sure they disagree on some marriage. things, but yeah, I would imagine if one likes it, the other likes it. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, so I, yeah, that may have been something to say because, you know, these quotes get out in shows like these and the article I'm about to write. And you don't want to say, I don't think Derek and Rudy yeah. Gobert can play together. Right. Um, but I, I did think that, you know, he was, he was relatively optimistic about Derek being on the jazz moving forward mm-hmm. and at least has to, you know, say that, but it, it, uh, he didn't talk about, you know, the possibility of moving Derek for a better fit, for example. Well, you probably can't because Derek favors didn't have a very good season. So you're selling him at a low, which is not something you ever want to do. And there's a reasonable opportunity if he comes back, he is still probably the most, probably the best long-term, like every night power forward on the jazz. Joe Johnson's better. But as far as like being a guy who's still only 25 years old next season, can handle 30 minutes a game still, like you can prop his value up and trade him at the trade deadline for very little, but at least something in return because he's still a younger player. I will say this. The two together on the court, plus 10.7 net rating. Okay. Yeah, see? The so, metrics around them so continue I still to be say, good. I still say Derek is lying and Dennis is not lying. Okay. 
Where, well, I mean, they're not lying about the metrics being good, but that's it's just a weird thing to pull up and just right. say, like, we had to find something that sounded good when we talk about Derek. Hmm. And that's a good thing to talk about. It's like the Jazz talking about the net rating at the end of last year. Yeah, we were we had a great net rating that said we were better than our record was. But you didn't trust that because you went out and added George Hill and Joe Johnson in the offseason. Right. Like, you recognized you had to but, get better. You weren't going to rest on your net rating. But it was a good way to spend the season as not being a failure when last year they missed the playoffs. Well, okay, so he, he talked about this. He said, look, I can't sit up there and say this is a playoff-quality team if we didn't make the playoffs. But it really was a 46-47 to 47 win team, and then things happened. Last year. Last year. Okay. Right. Not the, this year's team, I think they think, is a 54-win team sure. if you you know have health or whatever. Sure. Uh I think I I don't disagree with that, but I I still think that they weren't happy with a forty six win team, right? Because a forty six win team isn't all that impress, impressive exactly. to Gordon Hayward. Again, it's which is why they went out and got better, right? So right. You, you can say that you've got these numbers that look good, like your metric looks good of being plus ten with Gobert and favors on the floor. And if you can't play them together, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's just as bad as not making the playoffs when you have yeah. a playoff positive net rating. Because there's something to be said for they only play them together when it works, right? right. Like that's why. What, it, what's interesting, it, just from the numbers I've pulled up here is it really is dependent on who they spread the floor with. Hmm. Because you have, let's say, all right, Hill, Hayward, Gobert, and Favors as a foursome, right? You put Joe Ingles on the court, this is a plus 22 lineup. You put Alec Burks on the court, who can't shoot, minus 35. You put Rodney Hood on the court, who struggled, who was very streaky, right? Minus three. Okay. There's also some weird sample size stuff going on. Here. Yeah, total weird sample size stuff, but the 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 hood Ingles splits are about even minutes this year. Clearly. And so like clearly like you can play them together, but it's very specific in because obviously Joe Ingles yeah. one of the best shooters in the league this year. Yeah. You need ultra spacing in order right. to have Rudy and Derek on the floor together. Right. And Derek had his best outside shooting year of his career this year. And just in terms of percentages from 10 to 16 feet, 16 to 23 feet, I, I think people under or maybe overestimate how good he was before this yeah. year. How, yeah, like, that's like, where I think it is. It's like people are like, hey, Derek Favors may be a budding all-star. Never a budding all-star. He, he was never that good, but he was very good. Like he was he was a good enough player to matter, right? Right. I'm actually less worried about him defensively because I think he can stay with quicker, smaller power forwards. Because um, I, 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 you know, if if he does return to relative health, uh, but I'm worried about his fit offensively, uh, and especially when he's not the roll man, because that's his best skill is to catch the ball on the roll okay. and finish at the rim. Let me ask you this, guys: Are we trending in the NBA more towards quicker, smaller power forwards or stretch forwards? Because there's a difference there. You know, there right. is a difference between. A guy who can put the ball on the floor, which you say Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is a smaller power forward that's not quick, but he's quicker than the average forward. And he puts the ball on the ground. He gets his back to the basket. That's kind of what I think of when I think quicker, smaller power forwards. And then there's Ryan Anderson, who just sits at the corner or sits wherever and shoots threes and sets a pick and pops out. That's all right. he has to do. What's more common? I, I mean, I think the stretch four is more common. I think the the versatile four who can do a little bit of everything, yeah. I think that's more important. That's more important if you can get those guys, but right. there are way fewer of those guys. Right. There yeah. might be five of those guys in the NBA. Because Ryan Anderson will always be able to shoot, right? But I don't know that he's impactful in a positive way. on every, You can't just put him on any team and be like, that guy's helping. But you. you might run into that guy 70 games a year. Right. Where you run into the Joe Johnson type 12 times a year, and Gore, Derek Favors can probably guard the guy that you run into 12 times a year better than the guy that you run into 70 times a year. Because yeah, he doesn't guard that. stretch forwards at all. Yeah. He's really bad at it. Because yeah. he's slow. He's slow to react. He's slow getting out there. He's slow rotating out to those guys. And he's always been that way. Even when he was healthy, yeah. he, I, I feel like I remember him being bad in those situations. i got to say, you guys are talking about if and when he's healthy. I've heard he's 100%. <laughs> Rumor has <laughs> Someone said that once. I think we're back. Who was that? I think he's back. 
So that would be my fear with Favors. It's actually the thing he does well. He does well against really good players, and it's interesting that he can do that. Or he's good against Zach Randolph. Mm. You know, he's he's right. really strong and, and, and plays well there. But the average guy that you see is might be a weakness for Favors that, that we don't talk about. And maybe about. that is the thing of, like, in the future, he has to just be a center. Yeah. yeah. You know? like And, and is that... Not, not to, it's not a perfect comparison, but that's been the issue with Lamarcus Aldridge in his time, right? Like, is mm. a very good player, better than Favors, but very good player. But you would really like him to be a guy who just commits to being a center, and he won't do it. Yeah, right. If Favors can make that commitment to just being the five, it changes a lot for his career. I think for his benefit. But it doesn't help him with Utah Jazz. No, but that shouldn't be his goal right now. Right. I mean, his goal is like he's got to get this next contract. Yeah. He's got to find a good situation. And this is a good situation, but is this the best situation for him? Probably not. No. And Dennis said that he and his agent, Wallace Prather, came put came together with these goals and came up with these goals together on what they wanted Derek Favors to do moving forward. So to me, that says, you know, it may not have been enough for Dennis Lindsay to say, here's what we want you to do, because then Derek knows that. That may not be what's best for his career. He's a free agent next season, and if things trend in this way, where he's not getting playing time at the end of games, etc., right. he's going to be gone. So right. you know, they're trying to find ways that uh, he can help the Jazz and continue to grow in his career, uh, whether that be power forward or center. I, I, I'm with you. I think it may be that he's just a center moving forward. Which I, I mean, I you know that some guys have weird hangups about you know what that means for them in their career and being pigeon, pigeonholed in a certain role or whatever. But like him as a center. You could do a lot worse than yeah, that. He's, he, yeah, he's yeah, really. I, good. I mean, he's he is good. a good player. But uh, you might draft a better backup center than Favors is this year. I mean, not not next year. Favors will still be the better player, but there are guys like Bam Adebayo or whatever from Kentucky. There are because we're starting to think that centers don't matter. There are really good players that are going to be available in the twenties. Yeah. That you're going to be like, why? Why was DeAndre Jordan available there? Well, and center is a surprisingly deep position. Yeah, yeah, in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I uh, there are so many overpaid centers right now. For right. example, I mean they're all in Washington at, too. Washington and Orlando have all the overpaid sure. centers. New Orleans? Uh, oh yeah, well yeah, Omer Sheik. Uh, he's technically yeah. an NBA player still. Yeah, okay. yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think you know you look at the just the talent pool in the NBA right now, and clearly there are too many centers and not yeah. enough wings. But for guys like Favors, who are if if his future is a backup center as a pretty good athlete. Who doesn't stretch the floor a ton? Like that guy is available at twenty nine in this right. draft, thirty well, the, in this draft. I think for him, the goal should be well. Obviously, the goal should be this, but like, there's no reason why Derek Favors can't be a starting center in this league right. for a good team. Like he's he's still that skilled and that good. He just has to be able to commit to it. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, if his body can hold up, right? Exactly. Yeah, which you know even at half speed, I thought it was interesting that Dennis said that he went through what. Every NBA player does. This is just the first time that he's been through it. Yeah. Like, he kind of minimized the injury in some sense. It, it was interesting. I mean, it was fascinating to see him clearly not be himself and yet still have those moments of explosiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and in the playoffs, like, he had those moments of being... Right, he dunked over Draymond. Right, exactly. Like, he can he can still be an explosive player. It's just mm-hmm. having the health to do it every single play. Jazz don't beat the Clippers without... Uh, Derek Favors. I mean, he had two games, oh, I think, yeah. where he was absolutely crucial, including Game Seven. Yeah, yeah Game he just Seven had was, to have him on the floor, right. and he was great at what he did. You know, he I think he is really good that, at hedging that, pick and roll. Yeah, that first game back for Gobert, he was phenomenal, right? right? Yeah. But maybe even then, in that sense, you say you had this best late in the season. You tell people he's 100 percent because you're going to try and trade him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe Derek. I, I think at this point, Derek would rather be in a different situation next year. I'm telling you, I, one of the reasons why I think Lou Williams is not a Jazz player is because agent relations with the Jazz, and he's got mm-hmm. the same agent as Derek Favors yep. because I mean, it made too much sense to have Lou Williams on this team yep. when the Jazz could have pulled that deal, could have made that deal. Hmm. 
and Interesting. Did. and th- that could be an Asian thing. Uh, yeah, I mean that that kind of stuff happens. All right, we got to take a break. We got one more segment left here on the Salt City Hoop Show. Next here on ESPN 700. Go, 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 go You're listening to Salt it's City shiver. Hoops on We're Utah's number one like sports talk, ESPN 700. Like All right, last segment of the Salt City Hoops Show. Andy Lartz and Zach Harper, Ben Anderson, with you. Uh, We've got a couple of Twitter questions uh, that we want to get to just before the end of the show. First, our, again, Tony Parker, potentially of the San Antonio Possibly Spurs. Possibly Spurs player. Uh, was Jingles shooting this year an outlier? Remember, 44% from three, uh, the third best three-point shooter in the league. I mean, 44% is really high. Yeah, but I still, exactly. I still think he's a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm with that. I, I think he's a very good three-point shooter. He's probably yeah. 40%. You have to get pretty lucky to shoot 44%. Of guys that were actually in the top 10, Three-point shooters. Did Pau Gasol lead the league this year? Wasn't he like 53%? I mean, really? Yeah, you're right. Because he shot 100 of, threes. Right. Okay, so he hit 53 out of 100. That's an outlier. Right. You know, that's right. bizarre. And no, I mean, he shot like 400 threes, 300 threes in this, this season. Like, he and, shot a ton, yeah. and he made a ton. So I think it's, and his, his shot is replicable. He's not doing anything crazy with the shot. Right. In fact, he fixed his shot to get to this point. Yeah. You know, he did speed it up a little bit, I think, and change it to, to get to a point where it's a better shot. Yeah, it's almost like he's got two different speeds on it, where one's like the still very slow-mo Joe, lots yeah. of knee movement, and now he's got kind of a quick-release shot that's pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll be a good shooter next year, but you know. He will also suffer from what good. Trey Lyle suffered from. His teams are going to game plan from him all year. He's yeah. just not going to, you still, I think, get surprised by guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in the second year, <laughs> that's going to stop. guys like, that look like yeah. Joe Ingles. Yeah, right, and, yeah. yeah, are Joe Ingles. Right. Uh, and that'll stop happening. Uh, jazz fan at Utah Jazzman47 asks, does Draymond Green make an all NBA team if he's not on a non playoff team? No. What, well, I mean, what? Does Draymond make an all NBA team if he's on a non playoff team? Maybe not, but is Draymond Draymond it, without being on the Warriors? No, he's still really good. He's still but he's not one this of the guy. He's, he's still one of the twenty best players in the league. Yeah, I mean, how many NBA, like, all NBA players were not on a playoff team? Well, uh, okay, let me ask you this: one, Anthony Davis. Not to change right. the conversation, but how many guys are still that player regardless of where they play? Well, all right, throw Draymond Green on the Blazers. Is he that much different? Right, he's still no, really good. But and the Blazers are a playoff team. Okay, throw him on, on the Nuggets. Is he that much different? No, I, 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 th- I mean, numbers I th- are affected. Numbers he, are changed. Yeah, sure, he might be eighty-five yeah. percent of what he is. I still sure. think eighty-five percent of this Draymond Green is an All NBA player. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think people vote Draymond Green because of his counting stats, right? You know, it's no, it's because he's arguably the best defender in the league, right? And you know, regardless of what team he's on, if he's the best defender in the league and makes his team that much better defensively, which right. he would, I yeah, I think you know, he's put still... Draymond Green on the Timberwolves this year, they make the playoffs. Yeah. They now, were a 31-win team. They make the playoffs with Draymond. Do you Green. think Draymond's a better player than Cat? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I think Cat's more skilled, but I, that doesn't like he doesn't play he doesn't play good defense. So like there's a whole a whole side of the floor that he's not better than Draymond. At. Yeah. I'm a big believer in early landing spot fit development, absolutely, which is a yeah. big long word to say is saying like don't land on the Kings. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. If you if Draymond Green ended up on the Kings, the Kings don't win 50 games this year because that's right. a broken organization. Right. He's yeah. not that good. Right. That he changes that. If he lands on the Warriors 15 years ago, right. He's he, like, but he's still not really good, good. Yeah, and he, he still comes right. and finds a way to, to help you somewhere else. Right. You know, maybe he's more runner test than right. he is, and runner test was still yeah. an all star. And you know, at one yeah. point, like, was probably in the conversation of being one of those guys who was like, he might be one of the fifteen best players right, of this current sure. incarnation like, of the I league. I don't think Draymond turns into Al Farouk Aminu. No, no. if you right. take no. him off the Warriors, no. right? Yeah, like, he's not. It, 
Trevor Booker isn't. Like, that's just... Right. But he needed I mean. to land it in the right spot to get For there. Sure. Same yeah. with Rudy. Same with Gordon Hayward. You know, Gordon also, Hayward lands also, in Orlando. He doesn't turn right. this guy. Also needs Steve Kerr to take over the job to, like, say, yeah. like, hey, All why is David Lee playing over you? Speaking of, you're right. But that's exactly. most players in the NBA. Yeah, for I mean, sure. that's almost everybody. He did get lucky with that, but uh, yeah. you know that would have happened at some. point. He still worked and is as good as he is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, we were talking about versatile power forwards last segment. You know, Draymond obviously being the prime example. Yeah. Uh, Paul Millsap being another guy. I mean, is there a guy that the Jazz could acquire to have that that versatile power forward? I just don't know that there's anyone out there. There's just not that many players who can because do it. it's so rare. It's hard to get them. I mean, not Boris, Boris, Boris is the full man. Oh, Donuts. Yes. Uh. Moto Yunus said that he would be interested in going to the Jazz and says he has interest from those four <laughs> Me teams. Me too. <laughs> I not actually all that convinced he's an NBA player right now. I he's mean, not oh really? Good. You guys don't think so? Like huh. he's he well, didn't play major. He didn't play for the New Orleans Pelicans last year, and they could have used anybody with a pulse. Um, so I mean, he's a stretch four who can't shoot. That's the biggest issue. That's the problem. He was if a he learns, if he yeah, if year. he learns to shoot, then uh, yeah, he can play. He's yeah. had one good three point shooting year. Yeah, he's Even a career thirty percent three point shooter. Right. Um and that beyond that he doesn't have a whole lot of other skills. No, like he can kind of score inside. He's a solid rebounder, but he's not very good defensively. Uh, he might be a guy if you're having to replace. If you have to cut Boris Diaw for eight million dollars, he can make a couple of passes. Right. Let, let's say yeah. like Jeff Withy is no longer on the team. Like you could like Motinus would be fine in the Jeff Withy role. Yeah, you you yeah. bring him in as a fifth big as right. a minimum guy. Sure. Yeah, yeah fifth no big who can come in and actually right. in a bizarre lineup. You can probably put him out there and ask him to make some passes, and yeah. he's not the worst player ever. Yeah, uh, I would probably still rather have Jeff Withy. Jeff Withy's going to yes. get paid this offseason, though. Jeff Withy's going to get paid might. $8 yeah. million dollars a year. Really? $6 million dollars a year. Because teams again, like Boston need a shot blocker. Portland needs a shot, blo- shot yeah, blocker. Yeah, and you'll you know? pay that guy. Yeah. Because sure. that's 8% of your salary cap for a guy who's going to be playing 15% of your minutes. That's I, a good trade. If I, you're paying 8% of your salary cap for a guy who exceeds that, you're making yeah. money. Yeah, I didn't know you're right. And I think, yeah, some, some team may give it to him. Uh, I... I honestly thought the same thing about him before the Utah Jazz came, yeah. right? And then he got a minimum non-guaranteed deal for two years. Yeah. Right? Like, so I I have misread the market on Jeff Withy before, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. I thought he was worth more before, and the NBA didn't buy it. I don't know what there is this time, but, uh, you know, maybe the – heck, maybe the Kennedy Summer stuff hurts him. Right. Yeah, honestly. Like, they, they could hurt him. Uh, um, real quick, we started the show praising LeBron James. I yeah. just want to throw out this is the second time in NBA history – of the playoffs that someone's played this deep and averaged 34, nine and seven. Oh, the other time LeBron in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, for guys with at least 190 attempts from the field in the playoffs, he is the fifth highest true shooting percentage in playoff history. LeBron still good. Talented oh. basketball player. And again, when there was a great tweet that came out, I wish I could find out who it was. It was since Draymond called him out and we know what word he used to yeah. call him out. He's nine and zero in the playoffs and is averaging like, 35, 8, and 8. I thought it was interesting. The the tweet I'm thinking of when, again, LeBron James' greatness, uh, his worst game this year has been 20, uh, this playoffs, 25 points, 9 rebounds, yeah. 8 assists, 4 steals, 4 blocks, right? Yeah. The guy had a 5 by 4 on his worst yeah. game and may have sat the playoffs. half the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's absurd. You know what? Jazz should go get him. He's a versatile <laughs> power forward. But again, when we were talking about the beginning, he is at that Michael Jordan level right now yeah. where I know the Warriors are better. He's just better, though. He's better. 
Yeah, the, the Warriors the, are better than the Cavs. The best player in the league. But LeBron's better than anyone else we've ever seen. It's going to be a really Michael. interesting playoff series. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm very curious to see how this turns out. I would pick the Cavs. All right, I we got hot. Take. Oh, really? <laughs> We're, we'll talk about that later. Uh, for now, that's the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can check us out as a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. But for now, Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson, signing out on ESPN 700.